I'm going to start off this morning with a description of the last days. Now, I want you just to listen as I read this. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the first five verses. This is a description that God has given us of the last days. It says this, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Are you listening to that? For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. They talk about God. They have no idea of whom they talk. I have been asking, and I've been asking, and I've been asking. I'm starting to sound like a nut. I already feel like a nut. But I'm going to ask again this morning, if you thought these were the last days, if you took that description list and you matched it up with the things that are going on, if you thought these were the last days before Christ's return, what would you do? And I've been asking that all the way through our study. If you actually thought that very soon Jesus is going to come again, the Bible says, with the blast of a trumpet, with the voice of an archangel, he will come. Would it just be for you business as usual? Would you just somehow put on some blinders and do the same things and seek the same things and act like nothing has changed? Would you somehow try to block it out and just go about your business as usual? Well, listen to me this morning. I'm not pessimistic when I say that. I want us to be sure very soon we're to see Jesus. Very soon Jesus is coming again. And until we do, we're living in days of great potential for the church of Jesus Christ. And I'll just tell you, if you want to see God move, if you want to be part of something great, if you want your life to matter, and listen, I'm talking about really matter, if you want to have an eternal purpose, these are actually great days to be alive. Now, we see the trouble. We see the hardships. We see things as they rapidly change. But if you actually want to live a life that has great purpose, these are great days to be alive. But the question still is, so then what do we do in these days? If I want to, if I want to carry an eternal purpose, if, if I want to live a life that matters, if these are actually great days to be alive, the question still is, what do we do in these days? Well, once again this morning, God is training us in his word. Now, we're going through the book of Acts. We're going verse by verse. We're studying the history of the church, and it's very amazing. God is building us. God is encouraging us. He is equipping us in these days from our study in his word. Today, our message is entitled, the radically committed disciple. The radically committed disciple. We're in Acts chapter 15, today verses 35 through 41. Acts chapter 15, today we move to verses 35 through 41. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Acts 
Acts chapter 15, beginning in verse 35, God's word says this. But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, teaching and preaching with many others also the word of the Lord. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come today and we rejoice. We're thankful that we have hope today. We're thankful that we have peace settled in Jesus Christ today. We're thankful that as the world is, is crazy and mixed up, that our anchor holds today, the anchor of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm thankful that you're teaching us in your word. I, I'm thankful for the opportunity that we have as the church of Jesus. I'm thankful that, that we have an opportunity to make an eternal difference. I pray for the folks gathered here today, each one of them. I pray that you would speak to them, that you would lead them, that you would direct them. Lord, I pray if there's one, maybe several in this service that do not know you, I pray that in the hearing of good news today, today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray this would not be a normal event, but it would truly be a supernatural event. I pray that you would work, that you would speak, that you would lead, that you would move, and above all things, I pray that you be glorified. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As we jump back in this morning, let's remember where we're at in our study in Acts chapter 15, the apostles just met in Jerusalem and they have just settled some big truths about our salvation. Now, I want to be sure and say they didn't make up the truths. They didn't arrive at the truths. These things were always the truth. But they have meant and they have settled them or they have declared them for use and practice in the church. And so understand, these things are the truth. They were the truth. And now they have declared them as the truth for the use and the practice of the church. Now, the first truth was that we are saved in the grace of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And that was the first truth. Really, the question was, what must a man do to be saved? And some folks were teaching some other things. And so the first truth that they ironed out is we are saved in the grace of God by faith in Jesus Christ. It is not in religious practice. It is not because we earn it or because we deserve it. It is not in circumcision. It is not in baptism. It is not in rule keeping. But we are saved in the grace of God, the kindness of God, by faith in Jesus Christ alone. Listen, that's how any person is saved. That is for all people, the Gentiles, for the Jewish folks as well. We are saved when we trust Jesus Christ 
in faith in him by the grace of God. And so that is the first settled truth. The second settled truth is this. Our source for that, we saw this last week, is the word of God. How do we know that? We know it because God has said it. The word of God instructs us. The word of God is our source. And so we saw those two things. First, we're saved by the grace of God, by faith in Jesus Christ, and that is instructed, that is informed by the word of God. That is what God has said. The word of God is our source. Last week, we saw both of those truths are under attack today. And I think it's interesting they had to go to Jerusalem and iron it out and they had to hash it out. Both of those truths today are under attack. Watch in our culture, there's a whole lot of folks saying, you know what, salvation means something it doesn't or we don't even need to be saved. There are folks saying there's many ways to be saved and as long as you find one and that is your truth, we're okay with that. And they're teaching there's many ways to be saved and then there is an all out attack today on the word of God. And they're saying, you know what, it is ignorant to, to be informed by the word of God and you cannot trust the word of God, the Bible. And so there is an attack on the word of God. Folks, be sure today, it was settled then and it remains settled today. We're saved by the grace of God, by faith in Jesus Christ and we are led and formed by the very word of God. Okay, then what? They've hashed that out, they've ironed that out, they've gone back to Antioch. What did the church do then? Here's a question for us, what are we to do now? What do we do now? My question is, what do we do now to have the impact that they did then. As I read this account, that becomes my heart, that becomes my question. What do we need now, what do we do now in order for us today to have the impact that they had then? Here's my deal, and I'm just gonna be honest with you. If these are truly the last days, and I'll just tell you, I am convinced they are. I, I'm convinced that my ears will hear the trumpet sound and I will see Jesus come. I believe these are the last days, and here's my deal. If these are the last days, I am not content to sit idly by. If these are the last days and eternities hang in the balance, I'm not just content to Cadillac through life and cash some paychecks and pay some bills and just move on through the course of our days. What do we need now in order to have the impact that they had then. Isn't that your heart? Isn't that what you'd like to see? When Jesus comes again, there's a faithful church and they're leading folks to Jesus. What do we need now to have the impact they had then? Well, today we're gonna see three things. Three things we need to have now that they had then if, we, if we're gonna see an impact for our Savior, Jesus Christ. First thing is this. We're gonna to have to have a radical commitment to the word of God. A radical commitment to the word of God. Now, I'm gonna use the word radical throughout our, 
our study, our lesson today, because that's exactly what it is. It is, it is not normal. It is not little. It is not plain. It is not stagnant. It is not small, but it is radical. And we need today to have a radical type commitment to the word of God. Now, I want you to see this. Remember, Paul and Barnabas have been traveling, preaching, and teaching. The Bible says the word of the Lord, the word of God. Well, the word of God, the, the message of Christ, the Bible says is the power of God unto salvation. And so as they have been preaching and teaching the word of God, in the hearing of the word of God, people have been saved. Now, what if they'd have gone to their town and said, we want to tell you how to have a more interesting life. We want to tell you how to have a more fruitful life. We want to tell you to have good things in your house. That's not what they did. They preached the good news of Jesus Christ, and folks were saved. We also see they have encouraged the church. They have strengthened the church and the continued teaching of the word of God. It's not that we would just get saved, but we would grow in the knowledge of God that we would be strengthened in the teaching of the word of God. So they have preached the word of God. Churches have started. Folks have been saved. Churches, believers have been strengthened in the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. After the meeting in Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas Return to Antioch. Let me read verse 35 to you. But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch. They go back to Antioch. Teaching and preaching with many others also the word of the Lord. Friends, I want us to be very sure today. We need to be clear today. Our subject matter in our day, our focus in the church. How do you know if you found the right church? Our foundation for the church is the word of God. We teach the word of God. We preach the word of God. We declare, we defend, we stand on the word of God. For sure, we're not teaching self-help as many are. We're not teaching the application of positive thinking of positive thoughts as some are. We're not teaching the logic of the world as many are. We preach and we teach and we stand on in the church of Jesus Christ, the word of God. All right, it's 2021. Let me ask this. What if that's not popular? We haven't seen anything yet. What if that's deemed unintelligent? That's so unintelligent. Worse, what if, and this is today, what if it's called unloving? It's intolerant. This is intolerant. It's, it's hateful. What if it doesn't match the norms of our culture, of our society? Listen, it's happening this very year. What if Congress and the Senate outlaw parts of it? Listen, we have to radically commit to the word of God. Here's the problem. I'll just, I'm just going to tell you what the problem is. The problem is to commit radically to the word of God, we have to radically know the word of God. And listen, to radically know the word of God, it doesn't just magically happen. We have to radically be in the word of God. I'm gonna stand by it. Listen, to stand by it, you have to know it. We have to know it. To know it, you have to radically 
B, in the word of God, I'm talking to us as individuals, we have to, I have to radically be in the word of God. Friends, if these are the last days, we have to be consumed with the word of God. We ought to be memorizing it. We ought to be reading it. We ought to be listening to sermons as they're preached. We ought to be reading it in our beds when we get up in the morning. We have to be consumed with the word of God. Here's the question. Are we? So are we? We might know more about Tom Brady today than we do Joshua. Here's the question. Are we consumed with the word of God? We're going to have to be in these days. The first thing is a radical commitment to the word of God. Here's the second thing. And man, this is, this is needed today. The second thing is this, a radical commitment to the church. Oh, hold on a minute. I don't know about that. Listen, we're going to have to have a radical commitment to the church. Verse 36. After some days, now they're there in Antioch and they're preaching the teaching, the word of the Lord. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren, those that have been saved, our, our Christian brothers and sisters. Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. That sounds good, doesn't it? That sounds nice. Remember all the places we've preached the word of God? Remember all those folks that got saved in those towns? Remember the, the churches that started there? One day they're sitting there in Antioch, and Paul looks over at Barnabas and says, let's go back and visit them. Let's go see how they are doing. Paul cared about those believers. Paul was committed to those churches. Now listen to that word. He was committed to those churches. You say, well, how do you know that? Do you remember what happened in those places? It's not that far back. Do you remember what happened? In Pisidian Antioch, the Bible says when they went there and they preached the good news, that persecution broke out against Paul and Barnabas. Persecution broke out. Now, the Greek word for persecution means to afflict. They're not just talked about. They're not just having some hard times. They're not just getting dirty glances. It means to afflict or to seek to injure. And so a persecution broke out against them. They are beaten with rods and they are chased out of Pisidian Antioch. Remember where they go from there to Iconium. The Bible says there they preach the word of God and their lives were sought. They tried to kill them in Iconium. They didn't say, you know what, we're gonna rough you up a little bit. They actually sought to kill them. The Bible says they tried to stone them in Iconium and again, they are run out of the region. Remember, they go there from there to Lystra. In Lystra, an amazing thing happens. Paul is stoned. He is preaching in the city limits. He is stoned. They throw rocks at him to the point that they believe he is dead. And so they drag him out of town and they drop his body outside of town. They throw stones at him. They smash him with rocks until they believe he's dead. They take him, they drag what they believe is his corpse outside of town and they leave him for dead. Read the account. This was the pattern. This was the normal thing that happened as they preached the gospel in these towns. And so I want you to see this morning 
It is no small thing that Paul says, do you want to go back to those places? Look, they're not going back for a potluck. They're not going back for a picnic. That's what they did to us there last time. It is no small thing when he says, we need to go back and see how they are. Listen to me this morning. The plan of God is for the church, it's what the Bible says, the church to uphold the truth, to defend the truth, to be a pillar for the truth, to proclaim the truth. That is what the church is about. It's not something that we come and get what we need. It's not, well, I like this and they have these things for my kids. It's not a club for us to belong to. The church is the pillar of the truth, the defender of the truth, the upholder and the proclaimer of the truth. God's plan is for the church to take the good news of a risen Savior to a lost and hurting world. It is to declare to a dark and dying world there is hope in our Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the mission of the church. There is hope, there is peace, there's the forgiveness of sin in the person of Jesus Christ. And so Paul and Barnabas are radically, crazily committed to the church. Maybe it's funny, this is on Time Change Sunday. So here's the question. So are we? Are we? In these days of trouble and chaos, I, I watch the news every week, and I watch what's happening, and I see this, and I see this in Washington, D.C., as our world turns upside down and, and with the need so great, with the world actually wondering, is there hope? Is there hope for us? Is this all there is? As I watch all of that, I can't imagine the church not being in full operation. I can't imagine the church and our services not being full. I can't imagine radically committed followers of Jesus who know that we've been saved, who know we have nothing to fear, who know that Jesus is coming again to say, here am I, and this is what matters in my life, and the time is growing short, and I am radically committed to the church of Jesus Christ. We must be radically committed to the church. You know what our culture's robbed that from us? Our world, I don't know how long it's been, 20, 30, 50 years has taken that from us. And something gets tough, and you know the first thing that gets pushed out is the church. Something I disagree with, the first thing that goes to church. Something I don't like, I don't like it, first thing that goes to church. We're not gonna miss work. We're not gonna miss the restaurant. We're not gonna miss all those things, but we gotta be safe. You know what the first thing to go has been? It's been the church. We haven't seen anything yet. We're gonna have to be radically committed to the church of Jesus Christ. Third thing is this. We're gonna have to, and this is, this is bigger than, than that. It's big. We're going to have to be radically committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. That's going to actually have to become our priority set. That's going to actually have to become something we think about, we consider as we weigh what we're going to do with each of our days. We're going to have to be radically committed 
to the cause of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a crazy account, but I want you to watch this. It's very interesting. Verse 37. Barnabas, all right, verse 36, he says, let's go see how they are. It's going to be hard. It's going to be be tough. We're probably going to get roughed up, but let's go see how they are. Verse 37, Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also. John, also called Mark, was the cousin of Barnabas. Barnabas very simply says in verse 37, he should come with us. We're going to go again. He should come with us. Remember Acts chapter 13, John also called Mark. He started that first trip with them. Remember that? It happened very quickly. But I don't know why, but the very first sign of trouble, I'm not sure if he was homesick. I'm not sure if he wasn't ready for the trip. I'm not sure if when he got there, it scared the the putty out of him. I'm I'm not sure if he wasn't committed, but on that very first trip, at the very first sign of trouble, He goes home. John called Mark. He leaves. He goes home. He deserted them and went home. Well, now Barnabas says he should come with us again. We're going to go. You know what? John called Mark, my cousin. He should come with us again, verse 38. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Paul remembers what he did. Here's the deal. Paul's not over what he had done. Paul's all about the work, and he he insists. In fact, in the original language, it is a continual tense. He kept insisting, no, he should not go. No, he's not going with us. No, we're not taking him. He is adamant, and he keeps insisting, no, John called Mark is not going with us. He left us when it mattered last time, and no, he should not go. Verse 39. What a crazy story. And there occurred no, there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. Good night. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. Uh, Barnabas doesn't relent either. Paul says, we're not taking him. He says, we should take him. He says, I don't want him to go. He says, I I think he should go. And here's what the Bible says. There is a sharp disagreement. I looked it up. A sharp disagreement. Disagreement. In Vernon Route 2 Greek, that means this. There was a fight. Now, you, you, we might be out duking it out in the parking lot and say, whoo, this is a sharp disagreement. But here, we would say, this is a fight. They are passionate about it. There is an argument that takes place. They are at odds with one another. And it was so severe, it did not get reconciled. And Paul and Barnabas, the great gospel preaching team, Paul and Barnabas, the ones that endured all that stuff together, the great friends, the great God-glorifying preachers of the gospel, they are so divided, they actually split up. Can you imagine that? There was no sharp disagreement. There was no reconciliation. And they're so upset. They're so passionate that they split 
up. What in the world? This is good that this is here. Now, it's crazy, but it's good. And you, you might say, well, why in the world is this good to have recorded? The first reason is because of this. It shows, I want you to listen, great, God-honoring, Followers of Jesus Christ can disagree. You see, there's a deal that goes around now that says, well, we, we, we're to be unified, and we're to be unified in all things, and, and, all, and all these things, and if, if there's a disagreement, then there must be something with wrong. One, one, one of y'all two, sometimes there is. Sometimes it's rooted in sin, but what we see here is that great, committed, God-honoring followers of Jesus Christ can mix it up, they can disagree, it's what happened with Paul and Barnabas. I made a list yesterday, and I just started asking the question, who was right? Who was right out of these two guys? Was Paul right? He had no time for distractions. Well, Paul, you, you sure are tough. Well, when you get stoned and drug out of town, you call me. Paul, you're unbending. Well, you know what? We have a short time to tell folks the good news of Jesus Christ. He has no time for distractions, and he's so consumed with telling folks of Jesus Christ, he's so convinced that it's the only thing that matters, that he doesn't have time for distractions. He doesn't have time to go through that again. He's not willing to risk it. And so he says, I'm going to lead folks to Christ. I don't have time, and I'm going on. Was he wrong? Time is short. Was he wrong? Or is Barnabas right? He's the great encourager. I love him all the way through the, the New Testament accounts. He's the great encourager. And he, he sees John called Mark, and he says, you know, we ought to build this guy up. We ought to train him. Sure, he, he wigged out on us back then, but you know what? It's worth giving him another chance. And you know what? He's going to actually do great things later. We're going to read of those things. And so maybe we shouldn't be so rough. Maybe we shouldn't be so harsh. Paul, maybe you ought to slow down a little bit. We'll get there when we get there. Maybe we ought to be kind to this guy. Is he right? It doesn't say who's right. It says they split ways and they were not reconciled when they did. However, here's what I want you to notice this morning. God is able to use it, and God is able to bless it. And where there was one radically committed team, guess what now there is? Two radically committed teams. Where there was one team that would proclaim the hope of Jesus Christ, and they would go into troubled territory to do it, now there are two gospel-proclaiming teams announcing the hope of Jesus Christ. Where there was one team and they were encouraging and strengthening these churches, encouraging them to stand, now there are two teams and they are encouraging and strengthening churches, leading them to stand. And God is able to use it. Here's the big question, why? Here's what I want you to see. Because they, and I'm talking about both of them, because they, Paul and Barnabas, were radically, crazily committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Because they both kept their eyes on the mission. We've got a disagreement. We're not sure how we're going to do this. I don't want to take that guy. He ought to go with us. He'll be a great help. He's learning. 
They kept their eye on the mission. They kept their focus on the mission, and they didn't get off of. They stayed on the mission. Now, I want you to think about this. What if they'd have split up right there? What if they'd have said, you know what, I'm right? I'm right, and he never listens to me anyway, and I'm tired of this, and I'm tired of listening to what he says, and so I'm going home. What if they said, you know what, this isn't worth it. I'm mad, and brother, I want to tell you, I have a right to be mad after all the things that I've done, after all the things that I've endured. I can't believe he said this, and I can't believe this has happened, and I'm mad, and I'm going to get puffed up, and I'm going to lock down, and I'm going to go home. What if they started to, to pull others in and say, you know what, here I am in Antioch and I'm a big deal here and I'm gonna convince others I'm the one that's right and they start to pull folks aside and say, well, they did this and they said that and can you believe he said this and you know who they're running around with now and what if they tore each other down? What if they ripped each other apart? What if they started to gossip and call folks on the phone and say, let me tell you what's happened. Let me tell you what they said. What if they stand out in the church parking lot and they wag their heads telling their stories? Isn't that how we do it in the church? No, that's not what they did. Yes, they were upset. Yes, they disagreed. Yes, they were mad. Yes, their feelings were hurt. Yes, they were passionate about it. But I want you to see, friend, the mission was bigger than their hurt. The mission was what mattered to them. The gospel was what mattered. And so they stayed the course. They're radically committed to the mission of Jesus Christ. You go that way, I'll go that way, but will not deter from the thing that matters. They're radically committed to the mission of Jesus Christ. Folks, do you see what's on the line today? Do you see what's at stake today? Surely you see people in eternities are hanging in the balance and above our comfort and above our pride, above our agendas, we're gonna have to be radically committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. Here's that question again. So are we? Are we? You see, I'm gonna be very honest with you as we wrap up this morning. If we won't tell them, if we won't tell them God loves you, and listen, that's, that's the message of our gospel. God loves you. Oh, does he love you? If we won't tell them there's the forgiveness for your sin, and I know you're tired of the weight of your sin, the condemnation, the shame of your sin. If you won't tell them there's a remedy for your sin. If you won't tell them there's a restoration, and in that restoration, there is hope. There is hope even as the world spins out of control, as there's chaos in our hearts and chaos in our lives. If somebody won't tell them there is peace, listen, if we won't tell them in 2021, as time wraps up, I want us to be sure nobody will. Watch our world today how panicked it is. Watch our world today how hopeless it is. Watch our world, people are ready to die over a political system. Our eggs are all in that basket. Somebody has to tell them there is hope. If we won't do it, nobody will. Let me wrap this whole day up like this. 
We need to be very certain today. There is good news. There is good news. There's a forgiveness of sin. There's restoration with the Holy God. There's peace. There's an anchor that's that's not pulled up. There's a foundation that won't crumble. There is good news in the gospel of Jesus Christ. God loves you, and I can say it unashamedly, God loves you. He loves you so much he sent his only begotten son. He died in your place. He died taking the weight of sin, the, the payment for sin. He paid it for me. He carried our shame. He took it there, and he ended it there. He nailed him to a cross. Three days later, he He's dead. He's in the grave. Three days later, he walks out of that grave, and he is alive, and he is victorious, and the payment has been received, and he stands as the risen Lamb of God, the risen King, and there is hope in him. There is hope in him. There is hope in him. If we won't proclaim it, nobody will. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come, and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your truth. I'm thankful for peace that endures today. Thankful for the forgiveness of my sorry sins. I'm thankful for the shame that you bore for me that I don't have to bear it any longer. I'm thankful for new starts. Thankful for all things set right. How it's supposed to be is how it is in Christ. Thankful for a future when you'll come again and there'll be no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more death, no more cancer. No more sin, no more stain of sin. And I pray in the meantime, Lord, that there will be a church, there will be a people that are radically committed disciples of Jesus Christ. Help us in that. Help us to to read your word, to study your word. Help us to commit to a church that, that takes up, has taken up the cause of Christ. Help us to be bold in that cause. Use us for your glory. Lord, I pray for, for one or maybe some here that do not know you today. I pray that in the hearing of hope that today is the day of their salvation. Lord, I ask that in the hearing of your word, the stirring of their heart, that today might be the day that they trust you. We we lay all this before you. We ask that you would work. We ask that you would move, that you would remove any hindrance. Lord, we just trust it to you, and I lay it before you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen.